Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Oh, thank you very much for the prayer session, for the powerful prayer session. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Tribe. Um, I trust your day has been great. I trust the fast has been greater or even better. Um, I hope we've all had great days in Lagos. Um, the morning started out on a chilly note, it was on the island, and has progressed in, in that uh, so far, uh, in that theme so far. Um, so firstly, I would want to, as is tradition and with reason, uh, which I think is usually explained every single time, we go about um, honoring our pastor, Pastor Dami. Um, it's a tradition, and not just like the tradition where someone starts cutting off the uh, tail of a fish and trying it in a pan without understanding why, but it was understanding that we honor um, the leadership of of the tribe in person of Pastor Dami, the set man over the house, um, the angel of the Lord over this particular church. Um, and so I honor and celebrate you, sir, for this opportunity and privilege uh, to bring God's word this evening. I also like to celebrate the rest of the leadership, uh, the pastorate, uh, LXL, and the DC and at the various levels, um, because there is that which every joint supplies. And, and we we are we remain as a church um, following the leadership of Pastor Dami because there is that which every joint supplies, because we are needed as one. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to once again celebrate each and every one of you. Um, but I think I, I may want to especially celebrate the pastors because, because of the teaching or during the cause, or because of the blessings that I have received, the lessons I have learned, um, even during the course of the teaching. Now I just quickly checked, and um, this is the 19th installment, and we're in chapter five. And I mean, we're going all the way to how many chapters now? I'm guessing this may. This may last even for the rest of the year. And it's such a wonder um, that there is so much in this book. It's a book that one could read within a month, for example, and like be done with it. Like we'll run through the 16 chapters, perhaps only 16 days if you're in if you're being led by someone like Pastor Peace, because I mean he had that that grace. I think it was the time of peace you read. The Bible covers cover within like three months, I think. But it's possible to to run through those sixteen chapters in sixteen days or less. But having tabernacled here for a bit for nineteen installments, there is a lot we're gleaning and a lot more um, that would be gleaned um, by the grace of God. Um, Right, so as as we jump in, we're still we're still here. Um, the book of Romans, um, the believers' roadmap to victory over the flesh, and we would be continuing from where Pastor Nonso stopped last week. Um, but before we jump in, a quick prayer, Father, even as we gather before Your Word this evening, we ask that everyone is strengthened, blessed, encouraged edified and lifted through the teaching of your word and the administration of the Holy Spirit, even over the next hour. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Right. So in the last couple of weeks, 
we have looked at we've had a couple of sessions from the various pastors um that was i think that since the last time i was here pastor i immediately took on um what i think there was no official title but what i, I would tag the the roadmap where he further established us in the fact that christ is the one who paid the price christ is the one who paved the pathway right where we're simply walking in that which he established right he, him being the judge excuse me and also the justifier right and then in the next few weeks Pastor took it to to the next level explaining the grace faith pathway um now i had attempted to you know summarize as i would attempt with the others but the truth is i cannot do justice to those messages within minutes right some of the the truths and principles shared in those two sessions would take more than minutes to just cover but they answered some of of the pressing questions of the body as regards grace and faith and how those two work together to produce the results that they do so it's very, it's a, these were landmark teachings and i would encourage you if you missed it to go back again and and listen to it but quite quite um landmark teaching i know i had in times but i think a couple of weeks before i talked about the faith grace equation but i mean the grace faith pathway just blew things out of the water i, I wouldn't say more than that um then the following week um we then had pastor inka come teach us on um what was tagged hope traders um using um some things that i would say somewhat found in like trading the trading system you find in finance markets to explain the juxtaposition between earthly and spiritual designs that which is that the, the earthly being the defaults because that's what we grow up with first and then have have the tendency to mistake it as the original or as or as the higher because it's the one we're more in well or as the real right because what it's the one we, we were more in touch with as when we first came into this planet and grew. Um, she, got, and she talked about exchanging, you know, buying low, um, selling high and, and and all of that, another landmark teaching. And then last week we had Pastor so talk about the other side of hope, um, explaining what God or dwelling really much on what God went through, the risks he went through to save mankind, right? And I think one of the other, other things that he had emphasized is the, the framework of Abraham as an example. Like coming us are stepping into the frameworks of the fathers um, before us. How that the, their stories, their histories were written for us um, because it's about us. And also in line with some of the things Pastor Dami has been sharing about um, the description of God or in describing the magnitude of God, what we find is ourselves. In a similar way, in reading the stories of the fathers, in going through in tracking their journey, what we find are types and shadows of ourselves, of frameworks that we can enter in God. Right? I remember some of the frameworks he used: the Battle of the Five Kings, um, the behavior of Isaac servant of Abraham's servants when he was looking for a wife for Isaac. Um, and I mean, the, the the Abraham construct really is one that can be used not just to teach theology or Christianity, but one that can even be used in business. Because one of the things you find with, or, or if, if one actually sits with Abraham to dig deep, you would actually find 
traits and characters and principles that are applicable even to entrepreneurship with the way Abraham ran his household, right? Sometimes thinking about this, or when I was, I was take, listening to personal session again, when he was explaining the, the Abrahamic constructs, it, it was just reminding me of the job of an entrepreneur or, or of a CEO, how that their job is to sell an idea and ensure that that idea permeates through the entire business, right? Um, such that regardless of the role one is in, that idea, that central idea is a guiding force for everything that is done. Um, and it's similar to the leadership that Pastor Dami has provided over this tribe, how that there is the mission of the house and everything we do is geared around that. Um, and then as Pastor Nonso closed last week, he, he taught on peace, right? And I think there was, there was a particular, um, for something he said in particular, how that peace is given before access. Right, so uh, the peace of God, we, we have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access, but peace before access. That way we're not leveraging said access in fear, in anxiety, but in joy because there is peace. Right, so um, that those were, oh, that, that's a summary, or a quick summary of, of the teachings um, over the last couple of weeks. And once again, I admonish you, um, go back. The, the the messages are available on SoundCloud for free, right? For free. Buying the truth and selling it, Lord. This evening, um, we're going to be continuing from where Pastor also stopped last week. I believe he stopped at verse uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 4. We'll be continuing from verse 5. And we'll be going all the way to verse 9 in a quick conversation that I have tagged uh, the trajectory of hope, or just trajectory of hope, or hope trajectory. Um, it was somewhat difficult coming up with a title, but I'm sure we will, we will see why um, during the course of, of the teaching. Right, so we'll just be dwelling um, from verses 5 to 9. Um, and we'll be having a conversation in two sections, much ado about hope and then love and thunder. Now, if you notice, the last two um, sessions before this one have been hope-centered, right? You have hope traders, you have the other side of hope, um, and then today you have trajectory of hope. So, I mean, someone will be asking, what's the force about hope? Like, hope, 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 hope is what we have been talking about for a while. Um, so that, that that brings us to the first section, right? What you do about hope. Um, and but I think before we move on from this, so that we have a background of, of what we're going to be looking at today, I will read Romans chapter five, um, from verse five to nine, and then we'll jump into the first section of the conversation. Right, so Romans chapter five, reading from verse five. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Verse six, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse nine, much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. 
Right. So this this is the these are the verses of scripture we're going to be breaking down. Um, but in starting this conversation, much ado about hope, we need to take a step back um, for context sake, right? Um, and I'll read from verse from verse three and four. I'll read verses three and four, still Romans chapter five, um, verses from verse three. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Um, yes, much ado about hope. So tribulation produces patience, patience produces character, character produces hope. So somewhere at the back of my head in reading the scripture, the first question that came to me was like, ah, wait, is all of this just to produce hope? Like, am I going through the eye of the, they call it the, the eye of the needle, uh, going through this much tribulation, being asked to be patient in this, um, to build character just for the point of hope like haba i'm already hoping now like is it not to hope do i have to go through all of this to get to the point where there is hope uh, or where where i have hope so i guess it then leads to the question what is this hope because why all this like why all of this stress for this hope why am i going through tribulation or why am i supposed to count it joy right why am i supposed to rejoice um, and glory in tribulations as I'm going through tribulations, as I'm being persevering, as I'm being patient, as I'm persevering, as character is being built just for hope. So what is this hope that I apparently do not already have that is making me go through all of this, right? Um, so I did a little digging. Um, the root word or the Greek term for hope here is Elpis, and this word actually appears across a number of um, other scriptures in the New Testament, um, but we, we wouldn't jump into that as much this evening. Um, but basically, Elpis means to anticipate, right? It's an expectation of something that is sure. It's like you throw a stone up, and well, let me just necessarily say you throw a stone up, but yeah, let's just say you throw a stone up. No, they don't. They're not stoning anybody in particular because I believe we are children of God here. Or um, you throw a stone up, there's an anticipation that it would come down. There's an expectation um, that it will surely come down, unless, of course, something else happens in between. Right. So it's Elpis here is trust or confidence, right? In, and it, it could also be used in the context as the thing hoped for. So, like, I'm hoping on. Like or hoping in something, like hoping in something or hoping on something. Not necessarily that I'm hoping for something or like I mean, I hope that he will come through, like sort of right. Um and one of the the strong strong concordance in Christian context defined this LPs as joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Right. Um so within this context it's is hope is like um, generally, looking through all the definitions and spatial expectation of what is sure, trust, confidence, it's giving is sure for you, but you never see it. Like, you are sure this will happen. You are expectant, right? There's some trust, there's some confidence. So it's sure for you, but you haven't seen it yet. Right? And, and this reminds me of, um, um, or this is further explained in, or further or can be seen, actually not further explained, can be seen or is exemplified. In Hebrews 11, we're talking about uh, faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, like, faith is the substance, 
of things hoped for. So faith is the evidence, but things not seen would then be the things hoped for, right? And then in, in Romans 8, um, we also see um, still Paul speaking, talking about how hope that is seen is no hope at all, because who hopes for what you can already see? It's almost like, oh, I perhaps, what example would I use now? Okay, let, let me let me keep the the examples to myself. But basically, it's almost like you can't hope on something that's already in your hand. You can't tell me that, oh, you're yeah, waiting for, you are expecting or anticipating on a lot that has already entered your bank and you are seeing the alert and maybe you've even withdrawn it. Like the money is already in your hand. You're telling me you're hoping for it, right? So it's, it's sort of that is sure for you, but you never see it, right? That's, that's technically you hope. So the next question is now, okay, great. We know what hope is. Like it's an anticipation, an expectation. We, it's something that we're sure of, but we have not seen. Right, so what is this thing that we are now hoping, right? Because, I mean, we we as human beings we're hoping every day, right? It's sort of it's this sort of giving the illusion of having defined hope as an expectation or anticipation of something that is sure. This is something we do every day. I mean, you when you wake up, when you go to bed this night, I'm assuming that you are hoping that you wake up the next morning because you know you make plans um, for the day uh, and stuff like that, right? The question then becomes, so what is this special thing that we are hoping, right? That I'm obviously not hoping now to have to go through all of this to get, um, to get, right? So to answer this particular question, I, I started thinking about the other verses of scripture where we had seen things like console joy or glory and tribulation and all of that, you know? Um, so let's see if we can juxtapose and find common grounds here uh, and and the other bit or the other place where we've heard this uh patience gist as we would call it where would be in james where james speaking talks about count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience um which is similar to what we see in romans right there's you see that like they're, they're basically talking about the same thing like is go to tribulation, it produces perseverance of patience. The only thing is that in this particular verse, it skips the other two legs. It just told you the end result, right? Let patience have its work. In patience having its work, it will produce character, uh, and character will produce hope, hope being the end result, right? Um, let patience have its perfect work that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So it does appear that this hope, which is the end result, is a hope at which one is perfect and complete and lacking nothing, right? Um, and the funny thing actually is that in searching for scriptures around the patience gist, I also found something interesting in Proverbs. Apparently Proverbs had already talked about patience lead, leading to abundance, understanding, and impatience leading to something else. I will not say what that something else is, but you can guess what it is, right? But here we see that the the end result of patience having his work, producing um, character, character producing hope, is that that end result is that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the question then becomes, um, but there is only one perfect, lacking nothing. Right, all good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. And then in Hebrews 7, we see 
um, scripture talking about how the Lord appoints men as high priests who are weak. But the word, um, but the word of oath, which came after the law, appoints a son made perfect. That son being Jesus, right? So it then um, leads us to a no-brainer. Something that Pastor Dami, I believe, mentioned. Whether was it last week or two weeks ago, and somehow the orchestration of his teaching back then and the study of Romans can only be something that <laughs> was spirit-led or spirit-orchestrated. Because the hope being the reason for all of the journey, for the tribulations, for the, for the perseverance, for the character, for the hope, is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the hope that all of that is pointing towards. So why all these? Why go through uh, why glory in tribulations, knowing that it produces perseverance, character, hope, is that is because Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I think within the, what would I say, in the light of some of Pastor Dami's teachings in recent time, I would want us to actually read um, that verse of scripture in context, because it does shed light on a number of things. And then I would point one other thing out, and then we'll begin to talk about uh the interesting bit love and thunder um <laughs> so christ in you the hope of glory christ in us the hope of glory reading from colossians 1 from verse 22 uh from verse 24 um and we see it starts off in a similar light right i now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of christ for the sake of his body which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in jesus christ in christ jesus right so we see that the end of the the end of the preaching the teaching is that we may present every man perfect which again is the same end result of allowing patience to have its its work because it produces perfection it produces a man perfect lacking nothing um and we see that in galatians 4 a similar uh 419 a similar verse there speaks about how paul labors over the church until christ is formed in the church right christ in us is that hope um and i mean juxtaposing this as well with with mark 414 the parable of the sowers how how that in explaining the parable um jesus explained that the tribulations come for the word's sake and it's i think let's 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 jump ahead for a bit and then i'll just be crisscrossing um between the two slides here is the bit that i found in, interesting that was sort of opened up in light of pastor Dan's teaching we'll read from first peter um, one, we read from verse three. 
and gold weighed down to eight. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Right? Um, if you recall the preceding verses in Romans chapter 5, you see that it talks about how that we, we were called into, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> you see how, how we were justified by faith, having peace with God, to whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice, right? Um, so supposing it with, with First Peter, we see that it's pretty much talking about the same thing. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, typically I would read this verse of scripture and think with the revelation of Jesus Christ, you know, when um, Bible talking about when he appears, we also would be, you know, clothed in glory and caught up in disguise with him. But in light of the fact that the laboring of the fivefold ministry, the laboring of Paul over the church, the, the Christ in us, the hope of glory, the word coming or tribulations coming for the word's sake. Ordinarily, I would have read this and, and thought that, oh, this revelation, of, this revelation of Jesus Christ is, hey, final day, Trumpet so uh, one of the angels so it goes parara and you know we're all caught up in the sky. We we see him we're all you know whereas him Christ revealed in us and all. But in light of the preceding scriptures we have read, it does appear that the testing of fire in real time is to the end that Christ be formed. Let let me let me put it or let me think about we can think about it this way. Imagine if you got a raw block of gold or silver and you put it in the fire what happens is that the fire burns away everything else revealing the gold if you had um a i mean the easiest one i can go to is probably oil but that may be slightly technical to explain but if you, if you get a block of, of gold for example that maybe is, is is mixed with sand and all of that that testing of fire in real time it's the end that Christ is formed. Like that is the hope, right? The, <laughs> the, the glorying in tribulations, the perseverance, the character it produces is to the hope that Christ is formed in you in real time. It's to the hope that on this side of the divide, it's not something that happens, you know, when we're all caught up in the sky, as it were. It's to the hope that Christ is formed. Christ is revealed in us as we are on this side. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense in light of the fact that what God is trying to do, um, and I believe this was from, from one of Hasidami's teachings over the last two weeks, is he's trying to make us to Christ what Christ is to the Father. The way, the truth, witnesses. Like, so the way to Christ, carrying the truth of Christ, having the life of Christ, right? Such that, haven't seen us, they have seen Christ. 
Now, that will not happen until Christ be formed in us, right? Um, so that's, that's, that's really the much ado about hope. That's the reason why we're going through um, or why we go through trials and transitions and, and all of that. Now, with, with that as the backdrop or as, as the foundation as to this hope, that is the <laughs> when I say end result, that is the perfecting of of the saints as being perfect, lacking nothing. With that backdrop, we can then explore the other verses. Excuse me. Apologies for that. We can then explore the other verses um, from in chapter Romans chapter five. Um, and and move from there. Um, so in exploring these other verses, it takes us to, to the second bit of the conversation, um, which is love and thunder. Right. Um, so we'll read from Romans 5 again in context. Um, let's start from verse 3, actually. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation will get patience, and patience experience, experience hope. So, with within the the context of the conversation we've had so far, um, and knowing also the we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation will get patience, patience, experience, and experience to the end that Christ be formed in us. That is the hope. Now, from verse five, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Um, hope. Make it not ashamed. The hope we have is that through all of this, Christ is formed in us. And we ha- and this hope, make it not ashamed because love, unconditional love. And the next couple of verses goes on to explain the love or goes on to describe the agape love, the unconditional love of God towards us. Right? Um, So reading from verse 6, in explaining, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, it is... Hope make us ashamed because love. Um, and the way I'd like to think around it is it is actually the love of God that caused Christ to come and die for us while we were yet sinners. And herein lies the power of the gospel. And that is that. Well, well, yes, herein lies the power of the gospel. And that is that it is the power of God towards us unto salvation. Right? And how that one cannot, or this hope cannot be, um, cannot make us ashamed, because one, we are first partakers of that hope, right? We are first partakers of the power of the gospel unto salvation, right? Because in believing, we become Christians, we become translated, and.
I mean, so, um, pardon the pardon the break. Um, but we're we're first partakers of that of that hope, so we cannot be ashamed of that which changed or transformed our own lives, right? We see Romans one sixteen. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power unto God, power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And one of the reasons why this hope make it not ashamed is because this hope, the way it came or, or the love the the unconditional love through which it came is one that does not discriminate it's one that does not even in the bringing of salvation make ashamed in the sense that there were no pre prerequisites as it were for one to become a believer or to um to, or to come into this living hope the it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us Right, so this hope does not discriminate to, to the end where one may feel, would I say, beneath, below par, um, such that they do not, or they are not able to enter into this hope, right? And then we also see um, in in verse five. Now, hope is not disappointed because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We also see that, um, I think in Ephesians now, talking about how that the Holy Spirit is the seal of the promise. Now, hope, in explaining this hope, or this living hope which we're called to, which is Christ being formed in us. If you recall some of the, from some of the definitions of, of hope that we had run through ever, after, so, um, earlier on, is that hope was an expectation, right? Hope was an anticipation of something that is sure, but not yet seen. It's one of the reasons why, um, well, it's why we can, let me say, it's one of the reasons why the gospel is such, is, is like the funnel, right? Where you may come in as you are, but there is a hope of the mold or the picture or the person that you would be at the end of that funnel, right? It's, and that hope is sealed with a promise. That, and that seal is the Holy Spirit. Right, so the formation of Christ in us may not be <laughs> instantaneous in that sense, otherwise it would not be hope, right? Otherwise it would already be seen to be um, like, okay, let me undo that. Or otherwise it would not be hope, right? Let's just, let's just leave it there. Otherwise it would not be hope because then we would already have it, right? But it's hope because it's not yet fully seen. The formation is still ongoing, right? But there is a seal of the promise that, hey, and that's the Holy Spirit that, hey, um, this thing you are anticipating, this thing you are expecting is sure, right? Um, that you would, at the end of the day, through this funnel, on this journey, through the tribulations, through the perseverance and the patience, you would be predestined or you would be, you have been predestined to be transformed into the image of his dear son. Um, this hope, which is the transformation into a Christ, is not also something to be ashamed of in the sense like who who wouldn't want to be i mean having the benefit of hindsight who wouldn't want to be a christ right um who wouldn't want to become or be like of christ right so this hope make us not ashamed because that that is the mold that is the the goal that's the end result of this living hope that we have been called to.
Where um and verses six to eight basically explains the other pill of how that why well, without strength Christ died for the ungodly, right? Um there is no there there was no bar or barrier to entry as it were. It's not a it's not a hope that you can come to and feel ashamed because you do not make the cut, right? Christ died for the ungodly for humanly speaking, a righteous man will like even for a righteous man, one would you know hesitate. Perhaps for a good man, someone may even want to dare, right? But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9 is where we're going to now dwell for a bit as, as we begin to wrap up. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Um and I hope that I hope in in this in in looking at this particular verse to explain or to perhaps um what's the word now demystify not mystify demystify one of the myths around um the wrath of God um and this is where thunder comes in we've looked at love now this is like thunder usually when people are thinking about or usually when you know um um rain is falling and well, i think this happened to us mostly when we were kids right when some heavy rain is falling and then you lightning strikes perhaps because of some of the descriptions we've been given about god when you know when he descended on the mountain um in front of the children of israel asking them to come you know the thundering the lightning coming going forth usually as kids you know when a heavy rain is falling it's a heavy storm and lightning is just going and thunder is going everywhere. Usually in those times, if there was <laughs> a hidden sin, you would sharply confess it, right? Because that thundering basically gives you the idea of God's judgment or God's anger, right? Um, and we'll just talk about the wrath of God for a bit, right? Um, now the the word term here is orge. I don't think I pronounced it right, but you get the point. It's not my my first language, but it basically means anger exhibited in punishment. So it is not random anger. It's not I woke up and um. It's not I. Uh, it's not I woke up like this. It's not that I'm just angry. Like it's punishment. It's anger exhibited in punishment. Meaning there has been a wrong done somewhere and there is a punishment due, right? So the wrath of God is like a punishment due for a wrongdoing. Now, the wrath of God was originally meant for the devil and his uh, um, minions, for lack of better terms at the moment. How, how that after the fall or after he had attempted to exalt himself above his station, um, he and the other angels with him were cast out. We see this across a plethora of scripture. Um, reading from, um, I think Isaiah speaks about um, the fall of Lucifer from verse 12. Oh, how that he has fallen from the heavens, on Lucifer, son of the morning. Um, I mean, he, he thought that he would ascend to the heights. He thought he would be like the most high. And verse 16 then talks about him being brought down to shore to the lowest depths of the pit. Uh, we see 
um, in Revelations talking about how that the the devil would be locked up for a thousand years afterwards be released for a bit and then locked up through cast into the lake of fire where there'll be gnashing of teeth and all of that and all of that we see that in in revelations um we also then see in second peter and i think second peter was the one who pretty much um basically called the speed is speed from verse 4 talking about how that if god did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Right? This just tells you that hey, even before man came on the scene, somewhat like this whole wrath of God, punishment, judgment, was originally meant for the devil and you know the people that followed him to um, the people that were on his mandate, as it were. Um, however, the challenge then became that Allah Pamako everybody, man somehow entered into that boat, right? Um, you see. A scripture talking about how they all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and I think one of the more important bits that, that where this is concerned is how that the in the fall of man, the devil became the God of this world. Quote and unquote. And we see this, um, just, I think Jesus speaking to this in John 12, also in, in John 16. So it's almost like, hey, we reserved this judgment, this punishment, for everybody that is in this particular camp, right? So Lucifer and everybody else with him. And then somehow, somehow, man strayed into that camp and because he's on the same boat, the boat is heading to where it is going. Um, Now, because it's impossible for God to lie, to have exempted man or to bring out man from that boat without paying the price would be to be cutting corners in some way, right? So God had to make a way out. God had to pay the price for man so that man can be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Um, we see in First Thessalonians 5, uh, and I think this, this particular one, um, I think towards the, towards the end, I think towards verse 9, let's read from verse 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the virtues of faith and love, and as the helmet, the hope of salvation. Verse 9 is the important bit. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God did not originally appoint us to wrath. Somehow we strayed and found ourselves there. So, he gave us a way to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Right? So he, he basically made a way. And the other verses of scripture um, basically explain that. So the, the, the idea of... <laughs> maybe we should read one more. Um, maybe Romans 3. Before I before I share this thought so that it it has some context. Um, let's read Colossians. Let's read Colossians from verse one, chapter one. Sorry, from verse thirteen. Um, thirteen. Yes, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Right, so the wrath of God is basically punishment or an ex- anger exhibited in punishment, right? 
So what he basically, what God basically did was, since we had somehow entered this boat, he then paid the, then took on the punishment. He then took on the wrath of God. Um, I think there's a popular song, uh, and as he stands in, no, I think something about as he died on the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Um, here in the death of Christ, we live. Right, that's that's the song. That's that's the hymn, right? Um, so basically, the punishment, the the wrath of God, as it were, the anger, um, the price for the wrongdoing was paid by Christ. So. For those of us who may still have the idea, especially when thunder strikes, that God is angry with you. No, he ain't. Um, he's not, right? The wrath of God was not, we were not appointed to that. It was not originally meant for us, right? Um, hence, so he made it me. Um, so I think I said this before, right? That God is not a man that he should lie. Um, and so if, him already appointing a judgment or punishment for sin. Um, it would not have been possible for him to just excuse man without making himself a liar. So that punishment had to be um, that punishment had to be meted out. Um, that a price had to be paid. So rather than become a liar, he made himself a way, like or he made a way out. Right, um, and this is the point where I insert an Edom joke, but um, you can insert it on my behalf. Right, so as we begin to wrap up, um, I think one of the, the themes that this particular verses of scripture from, verse, from verses f- uh, five to nine really remind me of, um, it's really, Establishing the fact that God has, would I say, planned it all, right? He has thought of every possible occurrence and made ways and made provisions. You know, when the Bible talks about how that he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, um, these strings of scripture, um, sort of remind me of that. And, and here's why. First of all, he understood the state that we were at such that in his crafting of the solution, in his crafting of salvation, in his crafting of the hope which we are called into, it was one that met us where we were at the time. It's one that took cognizance of the fact of our state. Um, of our fallen state and made a way or found a way. In addition, it is one that provided a seal of the promise, a guarantee of the hope that, hey, this is where you're at, but we will meet you where you are, right? And having met you where we are, you are, we also understand that it is not at the snap of a finger, it's a hope. The forming of Christ is over a period, right? And so there's that seal, there is the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there are the provisions. And what this, in in summing summing this up, as it were, is that I'm reminded of of the scripture in in Jude 1. Um, 
Jude is sort of Jude one is sort of the only chapter there, right? But the, the Bible verse that says that now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, right? Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. Now unto him who is able to take you through the tribulations, take you through the perseverance that works patience, that works character unto that hope. Now unto him who is able to keep you through, like he's the one who keeps us through all of that. Um, in every state, in at every stage, at every sphere, I'm not having to overthink. I'm not having to, in, in that sense, chart my own path. He's gone. Before he's made a way, he's taking every little bit into cognizance, like right from how we even got into this, all the way down to the end that Christ be formed in us, in the providing of the ministry, in provision of the ministry gifts, in the provision of all in all. He is the one who is able to keep us from falling. It's not our <laughs> machinations, as it were. It's not our uh, X and O or imping sakati imping out. Like it is through His grace, through His power. And Second Peter chapter two um, is just another comforting verse, right? That hey, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Um, and it's interesting because this verse did not say the Lord knows. Like it did not say that you would not enter the temptation because that tribulation is part of the journey. But like he knows how to take the godly out of that. The same way he is able to keep us from like it's really just all him. All we're doing is coastal, like coasting. He has already made. It's unto him who is able to keep us from falling, and we rest in him. Now unto him, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Thank you very much for having me this evening. Do have a restful evening. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.